I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, we travel from present-day India into ancient times and uncover the story of chakna, the snacky necessity which accompanies every drinking session in India. The year is 1949. India is a young nation finding its voice, managing the push and pull of newly integrated princely states and the world at large. In the Bombay province, consisting of modern-day Maharashtra and Gujarat, a zealous chief minister wants to pass a new law so as to avoid morally corrupting his province. His inspiration comes from Mahatma Gandhi, who in 1927 said, "I would rather have India reduced to a state of pauperism." than have thousands of drunkards in our midst i would rather have india without education if that is a price to be paid for making it dry the chief minister was murarji desai who in popular imagination was known as a long time practitioner of urine therapy he imposed the bombay prohibition act under which all manufacture purchase transport and consumption of alcohol in the state of maharashtra had been banned The law was so strict that even cough syrups and eau de cologne was banned because of their alcohol content. Middle-aged and elderly Goan aunties of Bombay came to the rescue and found an opportunity in the midst of prohibition. Thus, aunty bars were born, usually functioning in outer rooms of houses with dingy lighting and closely placed chairs. These bars served locally brewed hooch. Mostly men came to these bars, downed their drinks and left. since they couldn't leave with the drink these were first clustered mostly in dhobi talao and bandra areas but soon spread throughout the city a cloth curtain on the door and hawkers selling chana and fried fish around the house were indicators to identify an aunty bar anyone from the working class to the white collar to rich businessmen could be found here police raids would often happen but the spirited aunties struck smart deals there as well these clandestine speakeasies faded away as the prohibition was eased by the 1960s and bombay slowly forgot its aunties but what did not go away but the chana and fried fish which came to be associated with aunty bars they not only existed but continued to thrive in the post prohibition world from the dingy cloth curtain bars in bombay to the plush five star hotels from the socially acceptable drawing room drinking in indian homes to the cramped and always illegal drinking in hostel rooms it grew in stature chakna The word which means any snacks or finger foods that usually accompany alcohol has a different origin story. Most of us associate chakna with peanuts and fried namkeens, dished out as a freebie to savor with drinks. The word actually comes from a dish which is a speciality amongst Hyderabadi Muslims. It's a spicy stew made out of goat tripe and other animal digestive parts. But that's only the origin of the word chakna. The idea of snacks with drinks was not new to Indians. In fact, it existed in ancient texts and it's not exactly what you would have imagined the first distinction we need to make here is that in india drinking has largely been for drinking sake 
Europe has a concept of food and wine or basically liquor accompanying food and enhancing meals. In India, drinking is usually done with snacks and not full meals. The drinking culture in elite India is around drinking with snacks which then extends to full meals as the evening draws on. This is why you would rarely find a place in India which only serves drinks and snacks. They would always have the option of a full meal. Contrast this with Europe where meals will always have an option of liquor. The only time snacks and liquor make a complete intersection is in pubs in places like Ireland. But the exclusive pairing is beer and one or two snacks. The behavior in India is rooted in cultural practices. In the Kama Sutra, a list of drinks that people should consume at drinking bouts may reflect an ideal set of drinks deemed pleasant at that period, all taken with ubiquitous snacks. There, the courtesans should have the men drink, and afterwards, they themselves should drink wine, maria, sura, and asava that have various bitter, spicy, and sour accompanying snacks, such as fruit and green vegetables that are salty. These snacks were called upadamsa. In the 12th century Manasullasa or delight of the mind, the sheer number of snacks are mind-boggling. And while they are for kings or kings' ladies, they are pretty simple in nature. Try and see how many parallels you can find with the chakna you have these days. Once various intoxicating drinks have been brought, various types of meats roasted by fire, tasty good-smelling meats, fragrant meats rich with brown mustard seed and salt, meats mixed with saffron, citron, fresh ginger juice, fumigated with asafoetida, various types of solid food made of urad lentils and wheat, delicious yogurt rice with various flavors, fruit sprinkled with the juice of jambira lemon and fresh ginger, a fresh lizard from the forest that has been placed in salt water and has oil and mustard seed added to it, camphor root, fresh ginger, elephant foot yam, finger root tuber with brown mustard seed and salt. Tuber of forest moringa with oil, delightful onion bulbs with tamarind juice added and mixed with salt, tender tasty asparagus sprouts mixed with oil and salt mixed with black pepper and long pepper, chickpea cooked in oil mixed with black pepper and others roasted in hot sand, chickpea with the sprouts all attached to each other, seasoned with a spice mixture with mustard seed and salt, and just simple plain chickpeas. The list goes on. but a few things clearly stand out salt peppers acids and oils dominate one can see the similarities with what we eat today the fragrant meats cooked with spices are similar to the kebabs and dried fish fresh ginger and boiled chickpea are bar snacks popular in eastern india even today the use of citron or lemon is all too frequent in chakna but there are a few departures as well all the tubers camphor root and elephant foot yam have virtually disappeared they have been substituted with another tuber potato introduced by portuguese sailors in the 17th century and cultivated widely by the british in north india it's much easier to handle and cook as compared to other tubers and thus we got potato chips potato fritters or pakoras fries and potato wedges the other thing which got added was peanut peanut was introduced by the portuguese from brazil to west africa and then to southwestern india in the 16th century Keeping with the core principle of salt, peppers, acid and oils, we got the peanut added to our chakna almost as a substitute for chickpeas. The peanut chaat which is relished with drinks has salt and instead of peppers we have green chilies and for acid we have a good sprinkle of lemon. But 
what happened to fresh fruits, yogurt rice and the salted lizard from the forest? There might be social, cultural, economic and religious reasons why these are no longer served as chapna. In fact, the more I research Indian food origins, I realize how little we know about our culinary history. As we travel, we must humbly acknowledge that what we see is a sliver of the world. Our endless desire to see the world should be tempered by the restricted nature of the reality we encounter. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YB Travel 42 on Instagram.